It's the holidays, which usually means employing your surprise face. But winter-winning scratchers are loaded with $500 prizes, so there's always a surprise. Unlike the 27th snowflake ornament from Grandma. Play along with holiday scratchers from the Virginia Lottery at a retailer near you. For odds and more information, visit VALottery.com. Annie had an earache on a Saturday of all days. So her mom brought her to Minute Clinic at CVS, where you can see a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials like pain relief products, all in one visit. Even on evenings and weekends, you can even see us online with telehealth options. For quality, affordable care on your schedule, visit Minute Clinic at CVS. That's healthier made easier. Services vary by location. See MinuteClinic.com for details. Hey everyone, this is the Almost World Podcast. Bringing to you mind-blowing interviews with guests from all over the world. So settle down, relax, and enjoy the show. Oh yeah, by the way, if you like the podcast, please support Elmo's World Podcast on Patreon. Your support is what helps the podcast improve more and more. Okay, welcome to Elmo's World Podcast. This is Elmo, your host, and um, well, I have my friend Kyle Alander here. Uh, he is a YouTuber, and um, uh, hey, man, can can you uh, can you give us a, an introduction of yourself? Yep. Hello. Uh, my name is Kyle Allender. I run the Christian Idealism YouTube channel um, and I live in the United States of America um, and I live in the state of California in case anyone knows what that is. That's the West Coast. Um, and I'm a Christian. So, um, yeah, I have a lot of other beliefs that I have and go over that later. But, yeah, that's pretty much what I mm-hmm. what I am. But, but so you have this uh, YouTube channel. What do you discuss there or what? topics do you mainly tackle there um mainly philosophy of mind although i am starting to do philosophy of religion as well those are like my two um big kind of subjects um what i investigate is the nature of reality um the existence of god and like the nature of what god actually is um and i'm of course i'm a christian but um I'm not like, I guess when it comes to Christianity, I think it's true, but of course it could be wrong. So, you know, we'll see, um, I guess when we die, whether or not it's true or not, but yeah. So, but so, you know, I, I have an understanding of what a Christian is, but why would you define yourself as a Christian if you don't have this sort of certainty in it? Now, are you in it for the more of the culture or? You have like this relationship of Jesus and the spiritual side of it as well. Um, I would say it's a little bit of both, although I most of my like I guess the weight of my belief system is more on the evidence rather than the sort of spiritual because um, I, I don't think I've ever really had a, a spiritual experience that sort of thing. Um, I just think Christianity is true from the evidence from God's existence um, and things like their virtues, as well as um, the evidence that favors the resurrection, the historical evidence, um, you know, New Testament reliability. I mean, that's obviously a big, definitely controversial, but I think the weight of the evidence is in favor of Christianity. Although um, of course, history is not something that, is absolutely you know certain so that sort of thing is always going to have some sort of probability to it right um and i think christianity is most likely true probably give it around 70 60 to 70 percent true but um of course it could be false so um i'm not totally confident that it's true i think there's a lot of interesting issues especially on the historical aspect but I mean, mm-hmm. I still give it a pretty decent um, probability. So. Yeah, but what's worrying me, though, is, um, 
you know, what's in it for you to defend Christianity if you're not even sure about it? You know, why not just put it in a, put a pin on it and like, okay, Christianity might be true, might not be true. I don't know. So I'm, I'm not, why am I going to hold these views anyway? Like, so it, you, you have like this, I guess, like uh, defense of the more debate, the, the proper justification of the morality that Christianity provides, you know, the resurrection. But personally, you know, what is, what is Christianity to you other than this, this rational belief that you're trying to defend? You know, you, you're not... You, right. You, so mm-hmm. when we get rid of the rationality of it, um, it gets a little tricky because... Um, some days I want it to be true. Other days I don't want it to be true. Um, and I, of course that's all human. Like we're all, we're all, um, emotional animals. Right. Um, so it depends. I mean, at that point, it just depends on the day. Right. Um, some days I don't really care. Other days I want it to be true. Other days I don't. Um, but of course we have to judge it by what's most probable, um, based on the evidence. Right. Um, I'd, I I would say that I do, I guess if Christianity is true, then I would say I do have a sort of a personal relationship with Jesus, but it's not really the sort of um, mm-hmm. thing I would use as evidence, right? That's something personal, meaning that I'm not going to present that as evidence to mm-hmm. someone else, right? Okay. Um, so it's a little but, different there. But, but to yourself, you know, like, you, you know, for your, to yourself that this, you have this special relationship with Jesus Christ and you know coming I think that coming from an evangelical Protestant perspective you know you you have this concept of salvation right and being born again would you say that you had this event in your life as well yeah yeah I do Um, I was baptized I think when I was 13 12 or 13 years old I can't remember the exact day but um I think it was like January, I think about a few weeks before I turned 13, I believe, is when I got baptized as a Protestant, of course. Um, I know Catholics might <laughs> have different views on that, but um, mm. in terms of like Protestant, yeah, I mean, I did accept Jesus into my life um, a while back. Mm. And right now, I guess um, I'm more focused on the sort of philosophical philosophy of religion aspect, right? Okay. Um like the nature reality. I think it's yeah. not so much spiritual, right? It's more seeking after truth, right? Yeah, at this point I respect that. in my life. That's sort of the thing that I'm experiencing too. But, you know, I, I love philosophy and, and you're right. It, you, you ha- we have to ha- provide evidence that, that other people would consider as evidence. You know, if you, you're not going to say, you, you wouldn't accept like saying that, oh, I'm saved, therefore God is real. You know, this is the evidence. Well, but you're right in that sense, mm-hmm. you know. But I think that when you say that you're not sure of it sometimes, well, that, that, could, that, that could be like, could be part of a Christian's path, you know. But would you really say, Oh, yeah, right. Would you really say that you are saved though if you have these uh, uncertainties in in it, whether or not Christianity yeah, is? Yeah, I real? think because I guess the the whole being saved, mm-hmm. I, a lot of people have like this sort of. I don't think it's like a one. I mean, yeah. obviously there's a there's an yeah. initiation point, true, but it's more true. of a lifelong process, right? I agree. And sometimes, and sometimes what you what you kind of see happen. Um, is you have this sort of journey, right? Like, let's say if someone um, wants to become a philosopher, wants to seek after truth, well, maybe the Christian path in that sense is trying to seek after truth, right? Now, of course, that that person may never know whether or not Christianity is actually true, mm-hmm. at least in the lifetime, but he'll figure it out, you know, once he dies, like, you know, he meets Jesus or whatever. It's like, oh, wow, it is true. Um, and I, I, and I, you know, at that point, I don't think, of course, God's not going to punish someone. Like if, you know, if someone died an atheist because they were not convinced of God's existence, well, God's not going to punish them for that. Maybe right? he will. So um, I, I don't know. I don't think he will. But of course, people have okay. uh, different yeah, views true. on that. So. Okay. But you know, like, this is what I think. It's, I think this is awesome what you're saying. Like, I have somewhat 
almost like 98% similar views on it and you're right you know salvation isn't just a one time thing it's it's the it's a path of your whole for your whole life and people would call that like sanctification you know and and but what what is your take on the 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 bible though though i think it all starts there you know if the bible is proven to be wrong right. and, and and unreliable christianity christ whatever god you know the classical christian god it's it's over so what would be your take on that would you say that the bible is inerrant for just you know historically correct yeah, I would say that it's it's I don't I wouldn't say it's inerrant. Um it it actually really depends on what you mean by inerrancy because um there's different views on that. Um so the the I guess the more way more conservative view would be that um every single word in the Bible is preserved perfectly. Um and I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think Me that's Me too. I don't think that's true. Like not even historical documents that we have today. I mean not even ancient historical documents that we have today are inerrant in that sort of way. And I don't think the Bible should be any different. Right. So when we're talking about inerrancy, um, I think we have to talk about the, the, uh, the core message. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So as long as the core message has stayed the same and as long as um, like the, the events like the resurrection um, have happened, like historically have happened, um, then I think, if you're going to take that sort of view of inerrancy, then sure, it's inerrant, but it's not inerrant in this sort of concert, like especially not in the way that most Christians like to think of it um, in mm-hmm. the Protestant circles. Mm-hmm. Um, like not even, I mean, if you look at um, the apostles, they didn't think, I don't think they thought that the Old Testament was inerrant um, in the sort of way that we like to think that the Bible is inerrant, right? So, True. Um, and the early church yeah. fathers too, right? They, they didn't have that. Right. But, but okay but this is what i'm trying to do i'm trying to build a bridge between christianity and like eventually talking to your views on philosophy of mind and religion you know that that's that's yeah the thing that i'm really interested in but before we go down there uh can you tell me your understanding of who christ is like the i, I would say that you would agree with mo- most uh, like the christian creed on it that you know he's yep. the son, literal mm-hmm. son of god yeah so i I do think that Jesus um, was God, right? One of the three persons of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it's debatable on whether or not everything um, in the New Testament is historical that he actually did do. The, I think it's very hard to kind of verify whether the mirror, like the, except for the resurrection, with the exception of the resurrection, it's very hard to kind of prove historically that those miracles occurred. Um, but when it comes to the resurrection, I think that's the one sort of like, um, miracle that I think can be mm-hmm. historically justified, mm-hmm. right? Um, but other than that, I mean, I do admit that it's not that easy. So, um, it, I mean, it's just, you know, it all hinged on the resurrection. But I mean, regardless um, of which way you take, I mean, yeah, Jesus is God, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, of awesome. course, the probability. I think is sort of the same as my confidence in Christianity, which is around 60 to 70%. Right. So uh, of course I do think that Jesus existed, but the confidence of him actually being God is not as high, but it's still reasonable, I think. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I, I've gotten your views on mostly the on New Testament, but I want to ask you about your views on Genesis. You know, this is something I, I always ask my guests who believe in the Bible. Like, what's your take on that? Like, is it the old earth, new earth? And are the miracles, re- did the miracles really happen? Or is it just allegorical or mythical? Oh, you're talking about the uh, the Genesis, right? Genesis and the miracles as well, like the Moses. and you know, Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm a theistic evolutionist. Awesome. Um, I think... Still there? Yeah. One. Um. Although I'm okay. open-minded to like other sort of views on that, but yeah. Okay. So. Evolutionist, huh? Well. Um, yeah. You know, I I think William Lane Craig is also like old Earth. You know, I, I heard his interpretation mm-hmm. of Genesis as well. Okay. So, but what's your take on that? Right. Like, um, some Christians would say that it's really, uh, you have to meet be 
God-centric and your understanding of the Bible rather than like man-centric. You know, like man would interpret right. this because it's based on like science and what we know today. But if you really believe in God, you know, you would uh, believe you would focus more what He is trying to present. And like He did say that it's sort of six days and the seventh day He rested. Would you? Mm-hmm. What would you be your take on that? Yeah, so I would actually, I wouldn't take a man-centric approach, and I also wouldn't take a God-centric approach, and that sounds kind of weird. I would take what's called a culture context central mm-hmm. approach. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so that's true. So basically, you want to look at the culture context, you want to kind of understand, okay, what was their view of creation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you sort of look at the sort of different views on that i think the functionalist one is probably the most probable mm-hmm. um or or either that or some sort of like mythic yeah. history view yeah. um and that's just again that's just looking from the culture context of um what they were trying to get across right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so that's sort of my view um i don't i mean the bible was not written in english we we're not going to be able to understand it from our culture perspective and definitely not mm-hmm. from english mm-hmm. right yeah. <laughs> it was written in um ancient hebrew so um okay. i think that's just the best way to go well i think that um you know i think this is essential to talk about what your views or take on the bible is because you know you you're someone like a rational modern person believing in in a book that claims so many unscientific miracles you know especially like uh, the uh, claiming knowledge of the metaphysical reality of the universe like having a, a triune god and jesus being a son of god you know and be and functionalist creation you know it's it's really a huge claims coming from this book no, that that's real. Yeah. That that you say claim to say uh, also understand that there are things that might not be what it really means or what it, it what we think it is. So there are huge many possible wrong interpretations. But okay, other than that though, like you you have maybe have a reasonable take on the Bible. But let's talk about your understanding of the philosophy of mind, right? I think you you derive your arguments that consciousness is like proves there's a dualism of some sort and that th- from that we can derive that there is like a spiritual realm god exists other you know conclusions yeah stuff. yeah so i would actually um it's point out the dualistic approach um, I'm, I'm actually not a dualist so i would be a monist but i'm a monistic idealist awesome. and, and an, an idealist would say that all that exists is experience or that all that exists is really consciousness and that the physical world um, is just really perception of that. Right. Um, So it's kind of like when you're like, for example, when you're dreaming at night, Mm -hmm. that dream world is perception. Right. Whoa. Um, And so I would say that our world kind of works the same way where um, our physical world is just perception. Okay. So it's in a way like um, there is some sort of like world of forms, but we're we're right. within that world of forms, and we're all, we're just in the third dimension. But there's like more dimensions waiting for us outside, like something like that. Yeah, yeah. But, but it is a shared yeah. reality, not not solipsism. No, no, no. Yeah, it's a sh- yeah, um, definitely a a shared sort of reality. Okay. So. That's interesting. So, so you're a Christian theist, you know, you believe also believe in uh, uh, a rational universe that has causality, you know, that there is a past and a present and the future, but there is this, so this idealist universe, which is mainly just, we're, we're just in another dream state of some sort, like uh, transcendent from something similar to what we, how we dream. Yep. So how, how, how is that though? Like, you know, in our dreams, it's just us. You know, there are, we don't have any interactions with other conscious beings. But why do you think, or why is it that we do you think that we can we can have interactions with other conscious beings in this dream state? Like, what makes this? Well, actually, so I think that dream characters are conscious. Whoa. Um, I think yeah. I know that sounds kind of weird, but there's That's actually been awesome. a lot of. There's actually been a lot of um, interesting studies done by Tolley on this, and 
he concluded that we should treat dream characters as if they're rational beings. Damn. Um, So I think that even within our own consciousness, like when we're dreaming at night, the dream characters in that consciousness are basically um, fragments of our own sort of psyche. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and then, you know, when we're awake at night, well, when we're not treatment, of course, when we're in this world, I think that we are sort of like fragments of the universal mind. Right. So the universal conscious mind is the mind that created our world. um, And we're just kind of like fragments of that. So that's really deep. Like, if I did believe that, like I would like take a whole day off and like think about what that <laughs> means for real. Like, you know, I'm a really rational person. Like I would look at the implications of what truth truths I believe. And you're right. Like, um, so if 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 I believe, you know, you're starting from that this universe is idealist, you know, it's just conscious it's also part of the conscious one universal consciousness. And so if I am ha- myself, I'm part of this consciousness, I am also a consciousness. If, if I have a dream, then my conscious characters in my dream could have also have sleep and have dreams themselves. You know, it's, it's like infinite regress. And right. Damn. Damn. Okay. But let me ask you this, though. How did this affect you and your interactions with, nor- with no- people, with no- life, and how you treat life, knowing that or believing, at least, that every we we're sort of in a dream like but but it it, we, it kind of it's kind of weird because um even though it doesn't really imply any religious implications like i think it 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 kind of points in that direction where you know everyone's sort of connected like we're all we all came from the same sort of source right mm-hmm. um like we are all sort of like alters of consciousness or um, dream character. Now, Bernard, like, um, idealist philosopher Bernard Akashup, he says that we're all like alters, so disassociative. It's like the whole universe has like DID, which is what was his um, disassociative. Name Bernard Akashup. Bernard, though. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna search that later. Okay, yeah. So, um, I would say that we are we're sort of like alters of consciousness. So, um, the philosopher Bernard Akashup he talks about dissociative identity disorder. And that's basically the idea that we're all sort of disassociated alters of this universal mind, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that would sort of imply that we're sort of like dream characters, although there are some idealists that have disagreements about what that actually means. But the basic, I guess, concept is that we're all sort of fragments of consciousness, of universal consciousness in that sort of way. So, mm-hmm. but, yeah. but, but what's interesting, though, is... You know, I would say that the ontology of every, uh, uh, at least like dream state differs, right? Like, my, for example, when I sleep, yeah. I dream. It's not physical, how, how we would define material. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. And we, you can't really, you know, hold what you're my dream, like how I hold like this mouse right now. So, so would you say that... Uh, but why do you think that there's this level le, there there are these levels of dream states or is it simply that material um, is actually idealist like stuff you know yeah it is i mean i i don't think there's really any sort of ontological distinction between dreams and reality mm-hmm. um i think the only real distinction is that when we're dreaming it's our sort of like subconsciousness that kind of gives us that experience. Whereas in this world, it's the universal consciousness that has given us the sort of experience of the, you know, the, the actual world that we're, you know, <laughs> that we're experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it basically just goes back to the whole concept that all that exists is experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's all like, there's nothing in reality that you're not going to find that's outside of experience. Even mm-hmm. in principle, you're not going to mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, just as a dream world is literally just an experiential world, it's the same is the same sort of thing applies to our world, where our world is just an experiential world. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So in this way, though, like uh, right, like um, uh, don't call me crazy, but 
if this is true, right? Like reality is simply this experience that I'm having. So what if I'm insane? Like I feel, and, and my, my, my brain, you know, brings or forces me to believe that I'm friends with Elvis Presley or I'm a, I'm a mermaid or I, I'm a super wealthy guy that um, owns the universe. You know, so in that insane mind would would that actually be reality for me like is that really or am i just um no because in that case that would be you know just like a dream just like when you're dreaming that's not actually the outside world mm-hmm. um, we have to sit or make a distinction between objective reality and then a subjective reality so okay you could, okay you could have let me like... stop you there though right because if Wait, this that? sorry uh, yeah, but it, you say that um, the dream, my dreams, you know, a person's dream, individual's dream is is similar of content or at least of ontology to to yeah, this yeah. So right ontology, now. yeah, yeah, but it's that but yeah. That, so but, ontologically, it's the same. But what yeah. would but like so what would make this objective reality different from any subjective reality because there's they're just the same, you know. It, there's no difference at right. all so so the sort of distinction right right and i understand that that's a concern right because we don't want to be subjective idealists here um but the cons- i guess and that's in that case then um you could say that the objective world is transpersonal mm-hmm. um so what, the, what does that mean well basically means that the objective world um is it controlled by us Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas a dream world, like a dream world, when you're dreaming at night, that sort of world would be personal. So it's a it's a personal world, even though even though like sometimes you may not have control of it. Um, most of our dreams you don't have control over. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same sort of thing with um, the objective world is that we're kind of because we're disassociated from that world, because we're mm-hmm. disassociated from the objective world, then it's going to act independently of us. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's objective in the sense that it's out there mm. beyond our subjectivity. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's because the, the reason why it's objective and the reason why the reason why we have the subject and the object um, is because the subjective that's we're, again, ourselves, we are dissociated alters. We're dream characters. I Whereas think, I think the, um, the world beyond ourselves is objective. Mm-hmm. So I think the distinction yeah. you're making is either that in a st- it's uh, the differences in state of control, or maybe it's more in accountability and consequences, like or that simply that we're fine. Yeah, it is. Or what? How? It, yeah. It is. It is differences of control. Like even in our own dreams, we can't control our dreams fully. Right. Mm, if I tell you to not think of a pink elephant, you're going to think of a pink elephant. Like there are certain things we don't have control over, right? Mm-hmm. Even our own mental states, we don't have control over all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, if all of reality is mental in that sort of way, it's not surprising that the objective world isn't under our control because a lot of mental states, in fact, most, I would say like 99% of mental states of mental things are outside our control. Okay. Right. But so, but before we yeah. we dive into that, you, you we we talk about control, and I want to know your perspective on, like, let's say, just determinism. You know, I I would believe that mm-hmm. if you were if you were focusing on philosophy of mind, a philosophy of mind, you would understand that consciousness is sort of like a buffer for, like, this mechanical determinism that we have. So, would or would you be, believe in would be an indeterminist in that case? Yeah, I would hold to um, either some sort of compatibilism or some sort of like soft libertarian free will. Okay. Um, so I do think we do have free will, though it's sort of limited. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome to the club, brother. <laughs> I mean, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> um, I um, I'm more of a just libertarian free will. I don't know, see the sense in compatibilist, but okay. Um, other than that, though. Uh, so we we so we have we are beings right that have are able to mm-hmm. decide to decide for ourselves like the outcome of our actions but with with limited of course like parameter parameters set by this objective reality that we are in 
uh, therefore right and i um what is the me though like what is the self right like what what where, where does my essence lie is it am i just simply like the combination of the 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 consciousness in my brain or am i actually part of the conscious universe universe itself you know i think maybe yeah. it's both you know so how do you define or define or solve the problem of the principle of individuation? Individual, yeah. So that's actually a really good point, individuation. In fact, I'm still, that's something that um, I'm still trying to like figure out, which is how does a universal mind fracture or sort of create these sort of other minds within it, right? Mm -hmm. And there's an idea that I'm playing around with and this idea is called um, su submergence. Mm -hmm. And what submergence says is that instead of conscious, instead of our consciousness being emergent, right? So that's mm -hmm. the physicalist approach. You could say that our sub our consciousness is submergent within a universal mind, in the same way that dream characters are submerged within our dreams, mm -hmm. right? Um, so this sort of idea of individuation, I think, comes from this idea of subsumption that um mm. we're basically all sub so if you're not the universal mind um then you're a subsumed mind meaning that you're a mind that is kind of like fractured mm. um and individuated from the universal mm. mind right mm. now okay. the question we need to ask is well how, why does that occur right um that's a good question to ask i'm still trying to figure out like the reason why that happens in nature though i mean dissociative identity disorder i mean we have good evidence for it already yeah it is so true i mean it's a natural process so regardless right regardless of which view you, you sort of hold to um subsumption disassociation whatever you want to call it is gonna be a natural process why does nature do it i don't know <laughs> i don't know why nature does it but it does it and that's the whole point mm -hmm. so well, you know, yeah. uh, the reason I named my podcast Elmo's World is not because like I like I own like I want to own a world or that I'm I'm crazy or anything, but I <laughs> I love this yeah. movie called Sophie's Sophie's World. It, it, it's a book, I think, too. Yeah, it, have you watched that? It, it it's um no, I it's haven't. a okay. So the Sophie's World is basically this like. Um, there's this girl, you know, she, her name is Sophie, and then she dives into the philosophy and stuff like that from Socrates to, to the modern uh, a, uh, philosophers, you know. So, so as, she, as she dives into this, you know, she realizes slowly that her reality is, is idealist, like, and she's actually just a, a book being written in the mind of a writer that wants to go home. Right and and at the end, uh, of course, the writer right. finishes the book, and the reality will will disappear. So what Sophie did was she went into the subconscious and then sort of hid her reality in that subconscious of the writer, so they could continue to live. So in a way, um, you know, Plato and the the Neoplatonists, you know, they they already sort of had these ideas even like 2000 years ago and so and so awesome but would you say that um this conscious being you know you believe that there is a universal mind that is everything in the universe would you what would you this being be if it if in if in comparison to a writer in sophie's world yeah so i would say that the universal mind is god that this universal mind mm -hmm. is, but what is um, God? the foundation? Well, that's the question, right? So there's different. It turns out the idealist kind of view doesn't say anything about that, mm -hmm. right? So you could be you could be a Christian, and accept like the perfect being sort of God, or you could be some sort of deist where you have like this impersonal yeah God, right? So yeah. in that, that's a different question altogether. I happen to lean towards more of the perfect being. Mm -hmm. theism but of course if christianity is false i would say that if christianity is false then it's most likely to be the other direction which deist. is this impersonal being yeah deist sort of god but i mean regardless it's still god but i mean there's different sort of perspectives mm -hmm. on the nature okay. of that god well 
I sort of understand um, your leanings on Christianity because, like, if it it is mo- the one of the most likely thing there, you know, because it's it's already like billions of people are already doing this, this traditional and stuff. But um, I I I guess that it, you you still are looking for stronger evidence to prove Christianity in order for you to say that you are it's sort of absolutely certain that it is true you know i think that you're looking for something yeah i'm i'm, I'm trying to seek after truth right yeah, yeah. the same so i'm trying to seek you, after truth yeah. okay yeah well so okay so um let me ask you this then you know i i judge people to, you know um the cosmic skeptic you know he released this video about the cognitive dissonance about like vegans and stuff like, and meat eaters it's so awesome mm-hmm. like, and i i didn't have a word for it but he's right you know cognitive dissonance is like believing contradictory things and you not really noticing it you know but but you st- but you're so dissonant and well i think that 100% of human beings have this in in some level but I try to be right. the least cognitively dissonant I can be, you know. So I try to rationalize my beliefs and and order them in a way that it makes sense. So I wouldn't want to be an atheist, a materialist, physicalist, who who believes in human dignity, because like it, it's it yeah, doesn't yeah, make right. sense, you know. So so I I have to mm-hmm. work all these out and. It's brought me so many existential crises, but I want to dive into your view, you know, your real worldview. So how would you rationalize valuing human or other conscious beings in this, in this universal mind, this, these submerged, submerged conscious characters in, in another dream? How would you rationalize, you know, like, reasoning or living with them normally or treating them with respect dignity and love what's your morality there um i'm more uh, i do believe in objective morality i think that we should just um treat people the way we don't we want to be treated right but why Um, because we're all well, why? Because <laughs> it's the right thing to do, right? Now, of course... Why is it the right thing to do, though? That, that, that's the real question. You know, is it harm principle, utilitarian? Or is it that God said... So? Oh, my moral... Okay. Yeah, so I'm actually, I'm actually undecided on ethical theories. Well, um, I, don't know if well. I, and I don't know if any ethical theories are true, but... Um, so I take more of a pragmatic approach. Okay, so in a way, you're you're like an ethical nihilist or moral nihilist, but you choose something more pragmatic, like like that. I'm more, of, yeah, a pragmatist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. At least that's. I think that's not like cognitively dissonant from from being an idealist you know i think it sort of makes sense right like you know you you understand yeah. and believe that we, we're all just in a dream you know so i'm gonna i'm i am living my life so what makes this life different from from like this conscious mind's life right so then you're so you decide to live it and live with others even if these others aren't aware that it's a dream they're in a dream <laughs> It's really a complicated, yeah, right. much more complicated. Okay, so how how does this pragmatist morality work then? Like, what are your, you know, bases or foundations on it? Well, just you know, to see what works, um, to see okay, is society overall getting better? Which I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, and you know, a, the the golden rule. But that that's, um, that's of course that's, people have different. That's very, um, I don't know, it doesn't jive because that, when you mention like what, when you define like what's best for society, what is best for society and why, why should I seek the best for society, you know? It, what, yeah. It, it's still there, there's a still a blur there, but I think you should... Uh, you lean more on. I'm not your, good with. 
I'm not good with ethics. So <laughs> yeah, but, but I haven't dude, really like, studied ethics that well. But so. the question is though, yeah. like you pursue truth every day of your life, but um, at least uh, do you have like this tentative moral framework that you use in everyday life, right? So so you walk down the street, you know, and you see like a, 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 a an old lady struggling. So, but you decide to help her because you think it's right. But you, why do you think it's right to be good? You know, um, it's <laughs> you have to have this at least basis for your actions. Otherwise, you, you're you're not someone who's pursuing the truth. You're just accepting a truth that you don't know it if it is the truth, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been I've been talking so much, but um, you know, how I think that you have a divided worldview though right so you have this christianity you know where you're holding where you can tell people you're a christian so that they would accept you in their in their their category but the truth is that you're still a deist and living in this idealist world but but you don't know you're still in the dark on whether christianity is true but you're still putting a pin, a pin on it so that people would you know at least look at you as part of their their tribe or something i, I this is not i'm not not so afraid, i don't but this is yeah. what i think this is what i think yeah so that that's why you can't answer yeah, so. basic questions about morality because if you do stand on your christian foundations you would say because you know jesus loves us and he wants us to follow the the christian path and and obey god's commands and be a good person you know i think if you did stand on christianity that would be your basic answer but you don't that means that you're you're still searching and I think that I don't think that's I'm a problem. I think that's good. You know? No, right. It's intellectual integrity. But if you have like intellectual integrity, you have to be at least say what you mean about Christianity. So I don't know what maybe um, there are practical reasons to be to identify as a Christian. I do agree. Me too. You know, <laughs> I. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's a it's a real problem, man. Like, I I I relate to you. Like, like last month I decided to be a monist, physicalist. I don't know how, but but also a theist. And yeah. Um, but I decided that my dad's gonna kick me out of the house if I if I say that I'm I'm, I'm I don't really believe in Christianity. So <laughs> I'm so young. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but but life, man. Like, um, being a philosopher is hard. So, uh, we gotta still. Yeah, I think philo- being a philosopher, it's you. Yeah, you have to try your best not to pick tribes. Yeah, true. So true. that's what I'm trying to do. I I, I respect so. that. Yeah, but um, at least like for the benefits of it, you know, and and until you, well, you can, for what I do is like, um, I, I have, I'm a Christian, you know, I identify in a, in Eastern Orthodox belief system, but I, I sort of have this space in my mind where, well, where I, I don't have any presuppositions. Like I, even if, where it's not that I'm an atheist in this part of my mind, but that my processes, you know, in thinking and rationalizing doesn't ha- include any like Christian foundations, but just purely analytic philosophy. You know, it's just me trying to understand reality. And that's why I have this podcast, you know, diving into people's worldviews. It's really interesting how other people think. And if I could take that in me and maybe add that as a consideration, maybe it could get me a little closer. But until then, I'm going to hold this belief because at least I I don't feel crazy believing two things that that contradict each other at the same time. You know, it's it's a messed up thing that yeah. I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um. How? So we're not. How about you though? Um. In terms of your pursuit of truth, how is it right now? Like, um. It, I. You know, it's how's the progress going? Sorry, what was that? Because you were you sound like a robot for a big chunk of that. 
Okay. Um, so how's your pursuit of truth right now? Um, right now I'm reading more um, philosophy, religion, literature, as well as uh, I'm starting to get into New Testament stuff. There's a lot of there's that's a there's a lot of <laughs> books I got on that on that mm-hmm. subject, but um, but yeah, I mean, right now I guess my main I guess my main focus is um, trying to figure out submergence and how why is it that nature or God creates other beings or whatever, um, and I guess that and plus New Testament stuff. Mm-hmm. But of course, I admit that New Testament, that's a whole, there, there's still a lot I have to get through. But so far, it's mm-hmm. very interesting what I'm finding on that one. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, I, I think that um, in order for us to to really pursue the truth, I think we need to be honest. And what you're doing, man, you, you um, I think you're also being honest, you know, and, and you Christianity might or might not be true in terms of how we would prove it evidentially in a in a scientific way. I would agree. It requires does require some faith or at least a lot of faith. You know, um, would you say that that is true that Christianity needs faith for you to believe it? It depends on what you mean by faith. What um, is faith if you to me- you though? To me, faith is trust. Mm-hmm. Right. So in the same way that you have faith that your bank isn't going to blow all your money away. Um, same sort of thing with Christianity where um, I guess you have to have that sort of faith. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, I live my life as if Christianity is true, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know if it actually is true. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my sort of perspective on that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I think that you would defend Christ's resurrection as historically proven. I think you would take that position. I would say it's probable. I wouldn't say it's. Pr- I don't think history can be. I don't think history can prove. Um, I think it's just probable that it occurred. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, in terms of the philosophy of mind, you know, you have this. Cons, these concepts, uh, but I think that. But how 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 do you did you come up with that though? Like, um, and when you did you start to to form these theories? Like, they divert from the normal, you know, just non-idealist to ideal an idealist. How did that start? Um, I actually st- so I was convinced by the arguments from quantum mechanics. Um, if you watch IP inspiring philosophies videos on that, um, yeah, I love that. digital, the digital physics argument. That's what put me over the edge. Yeah. Um, but now it's funny cause now I'm taking a different approach. I'm taking a more philosophical approach. So I wouldn't mm. actually, so the, the arguments that convinced me of idealism, I wouldn't use now. Mm. I think there's better arguments. So, okay. But how yeah. would you prove it philosophically though? I, I, I that, I don't know how you can do it. Th- there's a few ways you can do it. Mm-hmm. So one way is through phenomenological analysis, which is where this is kind of what, what um, Bradley does in his um, books where he basically um, investigates and, and analyzes the nature of experience mm-hmm. and how experience is something that cannot um, be reduced to, to something more that's not experience um, and that we just can't be aware of anything that's not experience. Right. Um, you can go, you can go that route or you could go the theory of virtues route where you say that um, idealism. And when you compare the theory of virtues, like simplicity, explanatory power, predictability, idealism comes out on top because it's able to explain everything without having to invoke some sort of extra ontological category. Um, or you could just do the whole um, Morian shift arguments, which you take arguments for physicalism and then you turn them into arguments for idealism. Um, mm-hmm. How do you so, do that, though? Like, the, how do you take physicalist arguments and turn them into idealist arguments? I, I've never. You just switch the ontology. You just say that consciousness is primary, 
and that the universe is casually closed, so therefore all that exists is um, mental activity, right? So mm-hmm. that the physical basically is just mental causes and effects. I guess this all started with the double slit oh. experiment, eh? Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. That uh, mm-hmm. I don't take that approach anymore, but yeah, that was how it started. So yeah, yeah. I-, I thought about it too, but um, no, I-, I didn't even think what uh, know what to think about the double slits. Uh, like, may um, you know, it, it's we're, we're still not even close to trying to understand what consciousness is so i'm not gonna make any implications for that yet you know <laughs> it's it's hard yeah. especially like they're the the scientists like came up with all sorts of crazy ideas after that like infinite universe and i don't know what else um a lot of crazy stuff you know and you just mm-hmm. be, just and without enough information to make to, be, to verify if your theory is correct you know and you start making stuff up it's it's <laughs> it's like a it's like a wild story you know and then like their legends and stuff so you know it but anyways um what so your first uh the first thing you, that you said in order to philosophically prove idealism other than the switching ontology um can you elaborate on that again i need i I didn't get it but first on phenomenological analysis okay how do you do that well there's different routes you could explore the nature of experience Mm -hmm. um and there's a quote by fh bradley on this let me see if i can find it in my notes but um that's one route you could go. Hold on, let me. Okay. Okay, that's not gonna. <laughs> I'm trying to find a. Yeah. So, but I I think phenology phenomenology is the future, <laughs> because that's that's where I specialize. But, uh, and I love uh, I love um, studying it, but I have no idea yet. Like, I'm not an expert. I, yeah, that's I, that's something I'm still exploring myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you read philosophers like Bradley, um, McTaggart, he talks about this as well in his books about um, the nature of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but um, you know, yeah. you 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 tend to like me. You know, we're both. We lo- both love or interested in philosophy, but would you call yourself like uh, also interested in mathematics or in science or mainly just um, philosophy? No, I I'm not good at math, so yeah, same here. <laughs> I'm just gonna stick with philosophy. Okay, yeah, same here, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, but um, the thing about philosophy, it's it's it, it truth is. No philosopher has made any progress since the Greeks, you know, since the Sophists. We're, we're all still speculating. That's why there are still so many theories and in, in religion is defeating most of philosophical theories because religion is very pragmatic, you know, it's very useful with the traditions and stuff and, the, and it's easier to swallow. But I I would I I love philosophy in that I can I am able to to ha- be in this process where I could you know try to search for the truth even though I know that I probably will will still not be able to find it but you know my my a friend of mine who loved philosophy too he said that the truth is the pursuit of truth you know that's that's my truth you know it's just that i mean always in this state that that i'm searching and i hope that god if he is real he won't blame me for searching god because in by definition god is truth <laughs> yep. yeah but anyways um um so what were you uh, talking about the phenomenological analysis yep yeah, so let me, okay, I found the quote. So it says, find any piece of existence 
take up anything that anyone could cost could possibly call a fact or could in any sense assert to have being and then judge if it does not consist in sentient experience. Mm -hmm. Try to discover any sense in which you can still continue to speak of it when all perception and feeling have been removed or point out any fragment of its matter, any aspect of its being, which Mm -hmm. is not derived from and is not still relative to this source. Mm -hmm. When the experiment is made strictly, I can myself conceive of nothing else than the experienced Mm -hmm. anything in no sense felt or perceives becomes to me quite unmeaning Mm -hmm. and as i cannot try to think of it without realizing either that i am not thinking at all or that i am thinking of it against my will as being experienced Mm -hmm. i'm driven to the conclusion for me that experience is the same as reality Mm -hmm. the fact that falls anywhere else seems in my mind to be mere word and a failure or else an attempt at self-contradiction. It is a vicious abstraction whose existence is meaningless nonsense and is therefore not possible. Damn. Wow. So that's that's one example. Yeah, I mean, phenomenological analysis is definitely you got to really like think about yeah. it long and hard, but that's yeah. kind of one example of an idealist yeah. sort of mm-hmm. arguing from yeah. that. Well, for the audience listening, I think that you could uh, try to um, brief it in like the the analogy of you know the Jason Jason Argonaut's ship. You know that ev- that from at one point you know it, and to a certain point, like every piece uh, or part of the ship changes, but we're still. But at the end of the day, you know it's it. It's still Jason's ship, but even though the no part of that ship was still there at, at the end from the start, so it in a way like that's what the the experience is. The experience is it it being Jason's ship, even though it's not Jason's ship isn't really uh, derived from the in a or found in a material sense that that we would explain right like any emotion like and how the consciousness itself is just the experience you know it's not reducible to matter is how, how i would say so right not reducible to matter then everything is just experience so that that's so that's how they it it understood it it i guess solved, sort of solved the problem you know right. i think yeah. Because even a dualist, I mean, that would be, even. I don't even think a dualist could really avoid that sort of argument, right? True. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I, I think that idealism fits with Christianity very well. And I don't think that it's, 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 it's like, it's problematic for a Christian, you know? Well, you know, if if I could try to mix it with like um, the Christian perspective on reality, you know, right? Because we believe, Christians believe like we are created. So in a way, God, uh, re- God created this reality that ha- has actually no difference whatsoever with how heaven would be or how hell hell would be, but it's that this reality is more more or less like very more complicated in that have in in that having this sort of you know i i can't explain it it's it's, it's just you know confuse other people but yeah that yeah. um right so um but let me ask you this kyle like um you know you you're a philosopher right and and you want to pursue the truth, but um, to you then, would this be sort of the meaning of your life that, okay, this is the purpose of my life. You know, it, it, I'm questioning things and I will continue to question things all my life. And what would, yeah. mm -hmm. Would you be satisfied when like at the day you die, like, I've been asking questions all my life and I'm still asking questions with no answers. Would you still would be satisfied then? I don't know. I have to see. Um, yeah. Well, um, 
So yeah, I I don't know because I'm always going to be asking questions. There's always going to be, yeah. I mean, maybe I'm hoping, you know, maybe by that time I'll have a grand worldview, mm-hmm. right? But even within that worldview, there's still unanswered questions, right? True. Right? So in terms of questions, there's always going to be questions, but I mean, in mm-hmm. terms of like my actual worldview, I think it'll be, it'll be pretty, um, I guess, solid by that mm-hmm. time, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. So. Well, man, like um, Kyle, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Um, if you wanna uh, uh, plug anything, like uh, you can and tell the audience any final statement, that would be awesome. Yeah. So um, just again, just um, as I said in the beginning, I run a YouTube channel called Christian Idealism. You can go check out my channel there, um, and I do a lot of. Um, philosophy of mind content and philosophy of religion content. So yeah, that's what I'll be doing. Well, uh, thanks, man. So that's the end of it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is your host, Elmo Ador Jr. And thank you for listening in. And please subscribe. Please follow us on Facebook. Please, please follow this. Please. Thanks. We're moving in a new direction, moving forward, and moving beyond smoking. We are Altria, and our companies are leading the way in moving adult smokers away from cigarettes by taking action to transition millions toward potentially less harmful choices as we move from being known as a tobacco company to being recognized as a tobacco harm reduction company. Altria is moving beyond smoking. Find out how at Altria.com. Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride.